All right, you guys, welcome back to the Low Bottom High Rise podcast with me, Moira Kasaba, and I have one of my favorites, one of my all-time smile, Sarah Foley on Instagram, The Vertical Blonde. You are one of literally the most badass women I know, truly, truly. You are just, you know, you've got me wrapped around your finger. (laughs) Like the instant we met, we kind of fell in love with each other. You are a an incredibly powerful speaker and coach, and your story, everybody needs to hear it. Everybody needs to hear it. So I'm so grateful to have you on the show today. Oh, what a warm welcome. You are one of my favorites too, trust me. It's pretty <laughs> cool. We can uh, collide and yeah, just come together. I mean, yeah. I've been watching you and following you for so long and um, we've talked kind of offline. You've had a big impact on my life and my family. And so it feels, it feels equally as big of an honor for me. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That means the world to me. I mean, you know, that's what you both, both of us feel like we're here to do, you know, impact and, and change lives. And, and we, we have kind of an insatiable drive to do that. And, and I think that's why we click so much, but I want to ask this question. Obviously there's a big story here, right? Which not many would know if they just see this little box and and see your face. Um, There's a really big story here, but before we go there, can you define or just, you know, answer who is Sarah Foley? Oh goodness, that's a loaded question. I know, it? right? <laughs> so Sarah Foley is on this mission to see just how much she can accomplish. Oh my gosh. And how much impact she can make. Mm-hmm. But for the point of making all the hard stuff worth it. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that's kind of my driving force is that I want to make it all matter. I don't want it to just be for nothing. And so Sarah Foley is, she's an internal optimist. Mm. She is so much fun. And she's also extremely driven and hardworking because she feels like she's here for a greater purpose than, than I think you've even tapped the surface of or scratched the surface. I think I'm just, and I think that's so many of us, we've got this crazy potential. And if we really think about it, like really think about it, how much could I do? How much impact could I make? What am I here to do? Right. And, you know, I spent quite a few years living in Maui and I love the Hawaiian culture Mm -hmm. and they've got something called your kuleana. And I, I love this concept. I love the word so much. Your kuleana is your It's like your God-given responsibility. Mm. It is why you are here. And you have been given gifts, talents, experiences, traumas, pains. You've been given all of it for your greater good. But here's the thing about Kuleana is that it's you fulfilling that responsibility Mm. for your benefit first, then others, and then the world. It's like we have this responsibility of, I got to give my biggest so that you can, you got to give your biggest so that I can. Yes. Like, we cannot do it without each other, but it starts so internally. It starts with us. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're so spot on. I have, I have so many thoughts. So, you know, I always go back to this kind of infamous for me, Denzel Washington speech, where he says it's a, um, 
it's a speech at a graduation and he says, each one teach one, each one teach one, you know, kind of we're, we're doing, we're learning, and then we're just simply turning around and teaching the next person. And I think so often that is where our purpose lies, right? That is where our, our joy and our flow state and all of that. It's like, we come up against these walls. We come up against these trials. We come up against you know, disease or, or diagnosis or whatever it is. And we, if, if we don't do the work, if we don't grow through it and learn through it and evolve to a higher level of us, it was, like you said, it was almost for nothing. Like all it was, was pain. All it was, was exactly. It's just pain without it mattering for something bigger, but that's, That's where we come into play. Mm-hmm. And if we don't make it matter, I loved what my um my therapist always called it post-traumatic growth. Oh. And I'll never forget the moment that she I like laid that on me. And you know, I've been working with her for quite some time. I called her my medicine woman. I <laughs> love yeah. this therapist. She got me into mm-hmm. depths of my soul and being. She's on another level. She's yeah. so tapped in. And um and I remember one day she said, you've reached post-traumatic growth. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being like, so proud of myself. Yeah. So like overwhelmed with like, you showed up and did the work and now you get to yes. reap the benefits of it mattering for something bigger. Absolutely. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> and yes, I love this so much. And I, and I want to I hope I never forget what you just said about post-traumatic growth, because anytime there is pain, anytime there is PTSD, like anytime we have that, we also have the opportunity for growth. We also have an opportunity for beauty, for this, this other side that is like the richness of life. And we don't really get to taste that unless we experience the hard, unless we experience the traumatic And unfortunately, at least it's been my experience that the harder the road, the sweeter the growth, right? The sweeter the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So can we dig in? (laughs) Can we dig into the story and just exactly what your life looked like, what happened and you know, it's funny. We say this in AA all the time. What was it like? What happened and what it's like now? <laughs> That's okay. All right. Love. So there you go. There's your setup because it's been a hell of a road and you have risen and with so much grace and so much dignity and also probably a million breakdowns and tears along the way, which are always needed for growth. But to yeah. be where you are today and having walked that path is, is just beyond admirable, you know? Well, and, you know, people often ask me, so we'll get into it in a second, but they'll, they'll ask me like, I don't think I could do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we realize what we're capable of right. until we're faced with the moment where yeah. we feel like we have no choice. Right. Kind of like we always have a choice, but it's that, that's what kind of where I would always go. It's like, well, what choice did I have? Right. So so 10 years ago, and I can't believe it's been a decade now, but 10 years ago is kind of when everything took a flip. And, you know, it's funny because I just turned 30 and I always kind of thought of like, I was checking every box 
Like mm-hmm. I was, I was running a spa in park city. It was like such a job. I'd worked so hard to get making more money than I'd ever made. Um, newly in love, great friends and family, like every box was being checked. I was just doing everything that I felt I was supposed to do yeah. and feeling really good about it. And, uh, I had this new boyfriend, Sean, and we went down to Brian Head, Utah, Southern Utah. Um, we were meeting up with another couple, but the first morning we were there alone. And I'll never forget the the morning is that we went out to this gorgeous lookout. We had hiked up and I felt like I was just on top of the world, mm. like literally and figuratively. It was this yeah. sweet, sweet moment. And I turned to him and I just said, my life is so perfect. Mm. And in my head, I just rattled everything off. It was just like, that's perfect. And that's perfect. And oh my gosh, like just reveling in the beauty of my life. And four hours later, I was lying in dirt, paralyzed. Mm. So it's fascinating how quickly life can obviously take a flip um, for the better or for the worse. Right. And as uh, so that later that day, we had met up with another couple and he, the other guy had brought like a trailer full of dirt bikes and four wheelers and all these kind of off-roading yeah. toys. And we had gone kind of on what you do in Utah. This is not out of the north. What you right? do. Yeah. Yeah. What you do. And so we went out on these four wheelers and I was really inexperienced. And so I remember Sean just being so good to me with like, look, we've got a helmet for you. I'm going to put you on the biggest, sturdiest one. We're staying on the dirt roads. We're not going off-roading, like just really easy ride. We packed a picnic. We put the cooler on back of mine. Um, just a really easy, easy ride. And at one point, uh, the the road kind of went up and around this bend, and we couldn't quite see what was on the other side, if we needed to turn around. So the guys went on up ahead. And a few minutes later, the other guy was up on top of the hill now waving us up, saying, you're good. Come on up. So we start going up. I'm in front. And what we don't know is that Sean's coming down now the hill to come get us and let us know that it's safe. So miscommunication there kind of on there. And, yeah. just, and, and just, you know, didn't hear one person say the other thing. No big deal. Totally. Yeah. Well, and even it's like, I'll, I'll go down and get the girls. Awesome. Right. You right. Know? So, yeah. and that could have actually even been what maybe the guy was motioning of like, Sean's right. down. You yeah. just never know in those moments. And so we went up and around and we, both came around the bend at the same time, going full speed towards one another. And in that moment of panic, I just remember saying like, get off the trail, whatever you got to like, just yeah. get off, get out of the way. And so I jerked the handlebars to the right and I'll never forget looking back to my left though. And there's Sean on his dirt bike, totally out of the way and looking at me now in like, I saw his face just turned to terror. And all of a sudden my front wheels hit a ditch and I started flipping and the machine landed on me multiple times. It snapped my clavicle in half, broke almost every rib, I think every rib, but one and uh, broke my back at T4 and the back break is what squeezed my spinal cord. And it was instant paralysis. I could not feel my feet, toes, anything. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I just told this story yesterday to another group and and I, you know, I kind of like, that's the moment of impact. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, I want to, I want to hurry and get to the moment of when I turned everything around about four out four years later. 
Yeah. It was like then four hours, my life changed. And then it took four years to get me out of it. But I had forgotten just how hard it was in the beginning, mm. like being in the hospital and relearning everything, yeah. relearning how to go to the bathroom, how to take a shower, the, the feeling of like loss of dignity of like all these doctors in your room and like, there's never privacy. And, mm-hmm. you know, the things that you have to now discuss of like, how do you go to the bathroom and, you know, and things not functioning the way that they used to. And my feet swelling up. So I could only wear these ugly, ugly boots. I was just like mortified. Was, <laughs> and I had my mom bring you my are a fashionista. Like I your fashion that. sense is so on point. <laughs> love fashion. In fact, one of the first things my mom's like, what do you want me to bring from home? I was like, my bright red pumps. Like I oh need them gosh. above my head. I had to look at them every single day. Yeah. I swear those pumps, like they, they guided me out of some dark moments. But I was just like, who the heck am I? Like, I don't, I can't dress the same way. I don't move the same way. I couldn't stand to look in a full length mirror anymore. I just felt like I was so just cut off, cut off from my body, cut off from the way I used to do things, cut off from myself. Everything was just like broken. And, And yet everyone all day long, would just tell me what an inspiration I was. Mm. That's an inspiration. And when someone is going through something so hard and I would just, in uh, to them, I would put on a smile and be like, yeah, yeah I'm so inspiring. Yeah. And inside I'd be like, you jerk. I'm just trying to get through the day yeah. without peeing my pants or falling right. out of my chair. Like, and that can also feel like a lot of pressure because, so and I'm, you know, I'm assuming because that is always, I've never gone through anything like you've gone through, but every tragedy that I have walked through in my life, people saying, oh, you're so strong. It's so inspiring that you're walking this path. You just, I mean, I got to a point where I just wanted to scream and say, can anyone give me, you know, permission to fall apart? Because, but it's a double-edged sword, right? Because the people that are kind of constantly speaking this over you, you're so strong and da, 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 da. It does in some ways empower you, but it also can literally make you insane. Well, you know? it, it depends on how you're taking it. Yeah. Right. Like you can use it for empowerment. You can use it for like that pressure. Um, yeah. For me, I just felt this like sense of, I am already burdening everyone around me because they have to we had to remodel the house. We had, like everything had to be changed financially. It was a burden. People taking off time from work. Like my hospital room was a revolving door. It was like when one tapped in, one tapped out, and it was like wow. we had a calendar, so I was never alone. And I they took me to first Vegas and then Colorado, so I was far away from home. People wow. had to travel, and I was like, I can't burden them on top of it with my emotions. And so you know, especially Sean, who took it. 1000% personally, the oh. pressure of just like, I shattered this woman's life is how he wow. internalized it. Mm-hmm. My mom blamed, she needed someone to blame. So she blamed Sean. Right. So like everyone was like, as any mother on. would, I think, as, you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I got on the machine. I didn't know what I was doing. 
you know, it's like kind of that. And and just accidents, accidents happen. 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 Yeah. And they happen. So it's just, it's, it, there was such heaviness and that How long had um, you and Sean been dating? I, I'm just curious. Six months. Six months. Six months. Wow. And we were just enjoying our summer. Like we yeah. just, we were not talking long-term. We were just having a blast. It was so much fun. Um, and it, but it really, it brought something new out of him as well. You know, yeah. he, he was there more than anybody else, probably even more than my mom. And he, he would do these things. Like when I first got to the Las Vegas hospital, um, I was in the trauma unit. And then in the middle of the night, they moved me to like my regular room Mm -hmm. and I was sharing it with, uh, with someone and like, they didn't even speak English. And, you know, so it's like, you've got a curtain, there's no privacy. And I remember just being terrified in the middle of the night. So Sean gets there the next morning. He says, oh, hell no. So Sean is like the ultimate salesman. He can sell anything to anyone. So lo and behold, a couple hours later, they're like, well, we're moving you to a new room. He got me somehow to the room that they hold for the president. Like if the president's in the hospital. Oh my gosh. So now the entire hospital staff thinks I'm like some crazy celebrity <laughs> because I've got this like <laughs> massive hospital room with like oh so like this massive room. People are like, That's who amazing. is this chick? So like, I mean, he really, he came in and he just made things happen that you're like, this would have been a very different experience without Sean, you know. Right. Well, and so. six months into a dating relationship, I would guess that the majority of men would have stuck around for a little bit and then just not honestly been able to handle that. And and it's, even if it was reversed, women and men, right? I'm not pinning that on men. I'm just saying, I think anyone in that experience, that is so much to walk through alongside you that what so a beautiful much. thing that he just leaned in instead of out. We, we have quite a connection and, you know, it, we felt, and we've talked about it later now, but it's like, we were doing a lot out of, I can't be that man that leaves her. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I can't ever lose this man. No one's going to love me again. Mm. We had these like weird things of obligation, but on top of it, we had this really beautiful yeah. love that, that came out of it. A love that I'll never love anyone like that, man. Yeah. There is such a connection and, and what we went through together and all of that. But yeah, it was, I mean, I often thought about that of, and I gave him the out. I was like, if you want to go, you can go. Wow. There's no, you, you can leave. Yeah. And he, I remember he's saying one thing in the hospital. He said, you know, I never realized how much I lo- loved you until I thought I was losing you. Mm. And so that perspective was really, was really yeah. tight. Yeah. And I will say that we've, we've healed through it very differently. Yeah. We've, and that, you know, you kind of have to let people heal how they need to heal. You know, I think a lot of us think that our way is we've got the answer for everybody and people need to heal on their own time in their own way. And we have to really give them permission to do that without taking personally, if they're not doing it how we want. So, right. I love that. I love that permission because you're absolutely right. I mean, healing is such a 
personal journey and nobody, including ourselves and when it's our own healing can put that on a timeline, you know, and, and to be able to give grace, even though, you know, you're so kind of intertwined in that is, is really miraculous, honestly. Um, you said it took four years and I'm, and I'm sure it's, you know, all of our work is a really a lifetime, right? It's totally. never, there's not a start. There's not an end. It's always working, but there was four years of kind of some real darkness, understandably. Yeah. So what, what did those four years look like? Um, was there kind of a significant turning point in the journey for you? Can you pinpoint something or was it kind of a lot of shifts, you know, along the way? Well, for all of us, we just, especially Sean and I were like, let's just hurry up and get back to life. Let's do whatever we can to pretend like it didn't happen. So Mm. I didn't give myself any space to heal. And I will say that even like in, I went to state-of-the-art rehab for spinal cord injury. It was where Superman, Christopher Reeves went like so good. They do all these things to you physically independent, but I had two appointments with a psychologist, two. What? What? And one of them, I didn't even show up for because I was like, I like, I'm not getting anything out of this. That's insane. People are broken emotionally. And that, that aspect of it is completely missing from the recovery. But their whole focus is we got to get you independent so you can get back home and be okay to live. They're doing their job. Somebody is just not having the awareness that there's probably another person or team, really team, that needs to be doing their job alongside the people that are working on the physical. Yeah. So that that was heavy. And I, you know, I... I looked for a therapist afterward, but it was like, no one understood yeah. what I was going through. And it's like, it was just, it was a lot. So I hurry. I just wanted to get back to life. So I started checking back me and those boxes. I got to yeah, check. I can so relate. I went back to running, running my spa within seven months of getting hurt. Like I was back running my entire spa, um, dying on the way to and from, like, I would just sob. I had a 45 minute commute and just sob my entire drive. And then it was like, okay, pull it together and then get, and you're driving yourself at this point. I mean, it's hard for me to even wrap around like logistically, like what that actually looks like for you on a daily basis, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So cool about that uh, rehab is that I did driver's ed there. They really didn't set you up. They even had like airplanes. They had this whole room in the basement where they had like a piece of a car. So you could practice getting in and out. They had airplane seats. They had baby cribs. So it was like, what does your life look like? And what do we prep you for? Um, So I was ready. And so it's, it's actually pretty easy. You put hand controls in it. And I drive with a little lever with my steering wheel. And I tell you, like, once I finally got my own car modified and was driving myself, that was pure freedom. It was like, you're just kind of go back to being like 15 right before you get your license when you're like, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so driving myself up the Canyon to park city, running my spa, bawling the whole way. Um, Sean and I got married. We got married on the anniversary date of the accident because that was our way of life. We'll make it a good day, not a bad day. Now it's freaking emotional. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't even know. Every year is a little different feeling yeah. on that date. Um, we had a baby. Wow. Childbirth was a breeze. I literally slept through it because I was 
didn't feel the pain. Um, so, and you were able to physically do that yourself. There was no, there wasn't a, you know, different birthing situation. That's amazing. Oh, that is what, so beautiful. I know. Isn't that cool? So I know I found this really great doctor. Um, I had a friend, she had given birth to multiple babies and she was like, she put that seed. She's like, you don't need anything different. Your body knows what to do. And sure enough, it wow. knew what to do. And I woke up in the middle of the night. He was five weeks early. So he's a little bit early. Yeah. I woke up in the middle of the night. And my body just felt like it was like squeezing itself yeah. and woke up. And I'm like, Sean, like something's up and water had already broken. Rushed to the wow. hospital, pushed twice. And this baby just went, just slipped right out. Oh but it was crazy actually being able to push. Like yeah. all of that was so wild to see how amazing our and bodies how, really are. And how often does that happen? I mean, are, are doctors kind of saying what your girlfriend's saying? Like, yeah, you can get pregnant. No big deal. Or are there, is there concern there? I mean, these are the questions that I think people are always wondering from the outside. Like, wait, what? How did this happen? what? You know? Well, I, I think I was really lucky because I know that a lot of other women have been told they'll have to have a C-section gotcha. and that kind of hurts my heart because yeah. they're, their bodies just really do know what to do. Right. And, um, I had a really great experience. I had a really great doctor. I mean, literally though, we got to the hospital and our doctor didn't even make it out of his driveway at home. Cause it was middle of night before the baby was out. So wow. it was like, that's incredible. It just, he just popped right out of there. And, um, yeah, I think that's just a really good reminder. Like our bodies know what to do. Yeah. And I yeah. That's with everything, our intuition, mm-hmm. everything. I think I've, I would have leaned in a little bit more on my own intuition of what do I need and how do I need to get through this? Um, when I first met my therapist, so, okay, back to pivotal moments. So it was yeah. checking boxes, right? We just kept going through the motions. And what happened was, is, uh, Sean got a job opportunity that took us to Maui, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Yes. But I got cold a few times and I, I didn't want to leave my job because I didn't know yeah. who I was, what I right. ever be expected. You know, all my staff knew me from before. So that was an easy transition back. But to start somewhere new yeah. and think of making friends. And it was like, who am I now? Yes, and so I can't imagine. Your, yeah. So that yeah. moment of like blank slate, what do I do? And for a little while, it was like, I'll just enjoy, you know, being at home and with my little baby. And if you know me, I'm like, I went stir crazy within yeah. a week. I was like, I need something yeah. to do um, that just wasn't working for me. But what happened was in that time of that four years, that depression really started to weigh on me. Yeah. I got pretty overweight. It was very unhealthy. I hated my body. That is so hard for me to imagine you unhealthy, overweight, so hard for me to even wrap my head around. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've got some really fun before and after photos. (laughs) And I remember this one moment of, I got out of the shower, we were there in Maui um, and looking in this full length mirror and realizing that I had become everything that I thought disability was. So I had become, I call them kind of all the uns of life. It was like, I was I felt very unattractive. I was unhealthy, unhappy, now unemployed, unsuccessful. And I was like, 
those were all the ideas of what I thought disability looked Mm -hmm. like. Yeah. And whether I wanted it or not, I had a story in my head that Mm -hmm. that was my destiny because I couldn't change the fact I had a disability. Therefore, all these other things must be true. Right. Right. So that moment in the mirror, I just remember thinking like, it just hit me really hard that I'd become everything I didn't want. And the thing that was at me the most was what they call the wheelchair tummy. Cause I put on a lot of weight. I can't flex my abs like other people can, you know, your spine kind of shrinks and it just pooches out your belly. And I was like that, that's where I'm starting. Like Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to get myself healthy. And I ended up getting a trainer, um, who he ended up, we would like geek out on personal development all during our workouts. I Uh. found a therapist at that same time. I literally did mind body soul work all at once. And I just went at it head on. And from there, it was just like, okay, now we can start getting, you know, to the root of some of this and healing some of this. Um, and I remember that first day with my therapist, she did IFS therapy. Have you ever heard of it? I haven't. Maybe I have. What does it stand for? So it's called internal family system. It's like parts is what they call it. Um, Gabby Bernstein, her latest book, happy days is all about it. Um, and basically we're dealing with the different parts of us Mm -hmm. that feel they're trying to keep the self, the core self safe and maintained, but we do it in sabotaging ways, right? We try to control things or, you know, we've got these pained parts and these trauma parts and all these different things going on within us. And so what she would do is at the beginning of every session, it was like, what part needs you the most right now? Mm -hmm. And for me, I was so disconnected to my sense of just being a woman, Mm. that femininity and that fire of being feminine. And, you know, I can't feel anything below my waist. So I'm so disconnected from that. And I had to like go back inward and heal that part of me and give that part love and grace and go through these really beautiful experiences where I was giving me what I needed. Yeah. And I'd never experienced that before. Wow. Wow. So this was all around the four-year mark, right? Personal trainer, therapist. Yeah, like the overconsumption of personal growth, drinking totally. out of the drinking out of the fire hose, and that's where change starts to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like we talk about like immersion weekends, right? When we go to a personal growth seminar or mm-hmm. something like that, but we have the opportunity to really do that in our everyday lives, right? Oh, like yeah. to just fully immerse yourself in books and podcasts and documentaries and meeting with a therapist, meeting with a personal trainer, and I mean, that's, that's just a, I I applaud you because that takes you. I mean, you made those decisions, right? Like you put in the effort that takes decision committing to action and, and that's no small thing. And, and I think there was probably a little bit of God in there. Don't you think? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. There's Uh, no way that I would have been able to stick through those times, you know, and, um, you know, I think the key you talked about, like making that decision, I remember just that moment kind of in the mirror, just finally like surrendering, like, okay, Mm -hmm. 
I can't do it like that anymore. It's too hard. And I would just pray constantly for healers, like Mm -hmm. bring me healers. I don't know what to do. And so I would just pray for healers and I would meet the most random people who would like teach me new ways about nutrition, Mm -hmm. or they would teach me new ways about, you know, the, the spirit of the islands. Like even that became such a healing aspect. Um, if anyone needs a place to heal, you go to Hawaii. Like they have a very different way of, of just looking at our pain and looking at how to heal. There's just such a gorgeous culture. Um, and yeah, it was just this constant openness and prayer of, I need healers. I need Mm -hmm. ways to heal. And that's when people just start. I mean, it's so cliche of like, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. So true. So true. Yeah. It's I always say cliches are cliches because they're so true. Like they're they just are. That's why they become cliches. And it's so true. I mean, how crazy is it that you end up in Hawaii? Like I I, know I have just a little bit of knowledge of like their, you know. They're just their modalities and their beliefs and the way they look at things. And, yeah. and it's, it is so radically different from the continental United States. And, totally. and I mean, I just, can you imagine like if you hadn't been there for that time period, you know, I feel like. Well, it and was- it's funny coming because now I've moved back to Utah yeah, where I was before and I came back a wildly different person. Yeah. Yeah. People were just kind of like you know, cause you kind of go back and say hi to old friends and it's just, no one recognizes you anymore. Yeah. No one has any like what, you know, and a lot of these people that were there at the hospital with me and, you know, they're experiencing it with me. And, um, I just spoke a couple months ago and one of the girlfriends that, you know, she flew in multiple times, she was there in the audience and she just couldn't stop sobbing. She's like, I would have never guessed this would have come out of what we saw you going through. And I'm tearing up. That, yeah. It was because so I, powerful. I see you on this side, right? And I see the force that you are in this world. And, you know, when we first met, it was funny because we were both in the gym. Mm-hmm. And I've, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I saw your headshot, right? When we were both speakers at an event. And I had no idea you were in a wheelchair. I hadn't like gone down the rabbit hole of your story. And so I uh-huh. had no idea. And we saw each other in the gym, right? So we're both like just kicking our asses in the gym. And I like feel the vibe. I didn't put together at, in that moment because, you know, you look, we all look a little different in the gym than when we're speaking on stage. Oh, but I felt the vibe and I felt this energy and I thought you were attending the event, which, you know, women's events attract just some badass women. And I was like, totally. I know her. Like I, I need to know her. I feel an energetic connection. And then to see you take the stage and to hear your story and to, it is the, the feeling that you, I get from you is it, it is the brightest light, but it is somebody in her power, somebody standing in her authenticity and her boldness in the most divinely beautiful way. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is just a gift to be able to witness that it truly is. Yeah. I, I have no words. I'm so grateful to hear that. 
because, you know, it's, it's a journey and it's exhausting sometimes. And you question like, gosh, do I need to do all this? You know, there's so many that just sit back and collect a disability check and that's it, you know, and I could do that. But you couldn't. But I couldn't. (laughs) Yeah. But I can't. Like there is just too much that can come from this. Yeah. And I think that was the kicker. I was like, I remember just kind of one day thinking every time I go into a room, no matter what room, no matter what I'm feeling or doing, every eyeball goes to me. Mm. They just do. It's out of the norm. It's different. You don't see it very often. Right. Right. And I remember just thinking like, what if I used that? Yeah. What if I just took full advantage of that as an opportunity? And then it was like little by little, I would do something to be bold. I remember I used to, I used to dress a lot more in black, very conservative, but I would play with different colors of lipstick Mm. and I'd be like, I'd wear like a really bright pink or I'd bright, you know, like purples and just all kinds of different colors. And it was like my way of like being, you know, and then I would be like, what if I added some big earrings and what if I did this? And then, then it was like, every time I did it, I felt a little bit more me. I felt a little bit more like there I am. I love that. And, and I think that so often we get in these like ruts or we get in what we should do or or how we're supposed to do it, all of those things, but we know it doesn't feel aligned. There's something that's off, but when you are in alignment, that's the energy I think you felt that day in the gym where I was like, I am right where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to do in the way that only I can do it. Yes. It feels so good. So good. So good. And it's so interesting to me because obviously, yes, you, you know, you're paralyzed from the waist down. You're in a wheelchair when you come into a room but th- what you just shared about the feeling of when you come into a room and you feel like eyeballs are on you For, in your case i i think that's a that's like a fact right that's just the yeah. situation but we can all feel that right like and and this like we uh, just want to disappear and we want to crawl under the rug and we want to you know just you know just kind of slide into the corner but when you step into that power and you you can say you know i'm going to walk into that room and and to and not from a superficial to have eyeballs no. on me it it's comes like from this ownership yes and own are. my being and own my space and own this god-given gift that that i was built to be i mean what a radical shift from i want to disappear to see me watch, see, and watch me roar. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And come with me. Right. Yes. Cause I think that that was such a big thing too, of like, I needed to see other people in their power to do it yes. for myself. It's the contagious. hard part for me is that it's so contagious. The hard part was that I didn't see that ever with a woman in a wheelchair. Right. And right. I kind of had to like be it before I saw it, yes. you know, but it's, but I think that when we see other women fully owning that, and again, it's not from a superiority, it's not from no. any of that. It is from a, I truly am grateful to be who I am. Yeah. And I'm leaning into that Kuliana I talked mm-hmm. about of that yes. responsibility of like, 
when I really think about it, this, this is a huge responsibility. Yeah. And I feel like I am in this chair as the woman I am with a huge responsibility. Mm-hmm. And when you think of it that way, that it's not about you. Right. You can't help but shine yes. that. You don't want to shy away from those eyeballs. Because those yes. were me for a lot of days. I was just like, don't look at me. I don't, right. I don't want to look at myself. Right. Maybe that's where it comes from. We're resisting yeah. really looking at ourselves. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I love what you just said too, because I think, you know, I have that just belief, right? The belief in the calling, the belief in what I meant to do in the world. And you you hit the nail on the head where you're like, that's where the confidence comes from. You know, it's not that, do I think this message is powerful enough? I'm like, well, well God told me this is what the message needs to be. So I trust fully, I trust fully in that. Right. And so when you really, truly see yourself as just a messenger, a vessel, you know, the hands and the feet, it's like all the pressure and the insecurity starts to go away because it's not about us. It's about tapping into something bigger than ourselves and just doing the work. And that's, that's where the alignment happens. That's where that that power comes in, but in, in such a humble, grounded state of power, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, tell me this. I know some of what you're doing in the world, but tell <laughs> us, well, first of all, where can we find you? Where can everybody go look up all the things and, and you know, website, uh-huh. Instagram, all that. But what are you currently doing besides, I know you're speaking in a lot of places, which you should be speaking everywhere with your message. Um, but what other programs or anything do you have that people might be able to tap into? Awesome. So I, you can find me anywhere at Vertical Blonde. There's YouTube, there's Instagram, website, everything is Vertical Blonde. Um, and the best handle, helpful. best handle and name ever, by the way, for you. I mean, it well, we didn't even get into me. that. I, I realize where we are in time because that when I realized I came up with Vertical Blonde as a catchy name for my blog yeah. to keep friends and family up, up to date it was what I was doing in uh, from Utah to Maui. But it became this, it is my iconic identity. Yes. It is this part it of is. that knows no fear. Mm-hmm. And so anyone that I coach, we go really deep into their own iconic identity. And mm-hmm. Vertical Blonde is more than just a great handle. She is like where my confidence comes from. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. cool. It um, is pretty cool. <laughs> it's so fun. And it's just such a fun name to play on for marketing. I'm not going to lie. It's yes. so fun. Um, so all the things. So I've been speaking so much. Speaking is where I just light up. I love it on stage. Um, I have a background before in television and all these things that I get to pull into play. Um, and so I've got a couple different programs. One, I have the seated app. So for anyone that needs fitness from a seated position, I've got that. Um, I also got the Icon Collective, which is a group coaching all for healing and personal growth on a consistent, regular basis with the support so you don't feel alone. It's becoming quite a beautiful community. Yeah. And then uh, my my newest baby is for those that want to be speakers. And so I opened up the Iconic Impact Academy. Um, our first cohort is 
They're about halfway done right now. And we go into fundamentals of how to gain the energy of an audience, the fundamentals of crafting your story and your origin story and building trust with the people that you're speaking to. Um, So if you have any desire to speak on stage with a presence, Mm -hmm. this is definitely for you. So Mm -hmm. that one's really fun. Our next one won't start again until fall. So that'll just be twice a year, but the others are ongoing regularly. Wow. You are serving so many women at such a high, high, crazy level. And you just keep adding more things, which I think is so awesome because you feel called to it. You have these gifts. You've been able to, you've done the work, right? And when you've done the work, just like we started, you know, each one, teach one, you can turn around and help and inspire and build belief in so many. And, and I want to echo your feeling, you know, when you're talking about, are you interested in, in speaking on stages? Everybody has a story, right? It's possible for everybody. It's, we don't, people that are speakers, people that write books, people that, you know, have podcasts, they don't have all the confidence in the world and like, I'm going to go do this thing. It's a whisper, right? It's a whisper that you're called to it. And when you surround yourself with people like Sarah, like stepping into a collective that she's running, that's where the magic happens, I think. Because if we're not in the right rooms with the right people, in the right circles with the right women, it's a lonely road. It's a very lonely road. So I just want to- Yeah. Yeah. I want to encourage everybody to plug into everything of yours and it'll all be in the show notes below and, and they'll have direct access to everything. But Sarah, thank you for your time today. You're so welcome. I want to just wrap by one thing because it's pulling my heart to do it. So you talked about the whisper and I always talk about like putting the microphone on the right place. And so, so often we have the microphone up on our head and all of the things that are swirling around, but those whispers, we literally hear them from a different place in our body mm-hmm. and back to Hawaiian culture that always knows better. I feel like yeah. um, they, they call it your now and your now is right below your rib cage. It's that place where the whisper comes from. And the now is called your deepest inner knowing. It is your seat of thought. And if we can truly put the microphone to that place, that's where we're going to get exactly where we need to be and where our purpose is and where we are called. And then we get to use our brilliant, gorgeous minds to figure out the strategy to get there. But we got to get the microphone on the right place and the right voice. I love that visual. And I might be meditating with my mic down here (laughs) just to physically do it, right? Do it. (laughs) That is so powerful. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Sarah, you're such a gift. I am so grateful for your friendship. I know this is like, you know, there's work to be done together in the years to come, no doubt. And I'm just so grateful for not only your light in my life, but your light in the world. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is such, such an honor. I love you so much and ditto to everything. Love me too. Thanks. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in and make sure you're tagging Sarah, tagging me in the episode and we will see you next week. Bye. Aloha. 
that's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Thanks for listening. I want to remind you to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That would be super, super helpful to us. And share in your social media. Tag me. I love hearing what you guys have to say, your takeaways, all the things. So make sure you're tagging me in your social media posts when you share the episodes. And we will see you next week.